0: tonight found in 2nd Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. If you're a Bible quizzer, I'm almost 100% sure that this was part of your verses. 2nd Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. And if it wasn't, somebody missed a good one. (laughs) They missed it. I think it's in there. I'm pretty sure it's in there. Anybody that has studied doctrine, is it in there or no? It's in there. All right. Thank you, Brother Casey. I appreciate that. Amen. Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. There's some things that God does and there's some things that we and ye do. God does his part I want to do my part and for a few moments tonight it's still early nah, it's 7 o'clock and if you haven't broken a sweat yet then you haven't been worshiping hard enough <laughs> amen I want to preach for a few moments tonight keep honking the horn Keep honking the horn. Lord we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us tonight and your word. We thank you and praise you for the encouragement and the strength that we feel in this place tonight. We give to you thanks in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God, you can be seated. Persistence is closely connected to a more biblical term called perseverance person that is persistent in the biblical text is a person that perseveres this is why james in chapter number one and verse number two said my brethren count it all joy when you fall in divers temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The patience that is described here is perseverance. To the persecuted Jewish believers scattered among pagan people, the diaspora as it's called, James gives some surprising advice. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. And he gives an emphatic and amazing statement when he says in this passage that trials should be faced with an attitude of joy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going through something here tonight, James would say, have an attitude of joy. It doesn't mean that my emotions may be happy, but I'm joyful because I know something is working in me that's going to produce perseverance. We get this turned around. We run into something that's difficult. We don't have joy. We have the opposite. We think we're in pain and anguish and suffering, but God God's doing something in the midst of what we're going through, and so we need to face what we're going through with joy. Trials should not be seen as a punishment, a curse, or a calamity, but something that prompts rejoicing. I know you can worship God when everything's good. I get that. But can you worship God when everything is not so good? James said, when you run into some difficult things, it should prompt a rejoicing. What are they doing? They're going through difficult times. That's not even in our mentality. We think somebody only praises God when there's success, only praises God when everything is going great, only praises God when nothing wrong is happening in their world. That's the wrong mentality, according to James. The person that's worshiping God and is prompted by joy is the person that is going through difficult times. I want to know in this building here tonight if there's anybody going through difficult times. It's not a curse. James said it's a blessing. And so in the middle of my difficulties, I'm going to praise God and worship God and magnify God because I recognize God's, God's at work in the middle of all of this. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to leap for joy. I'm going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It may not look like victory, but it's prompting something in me. It's prompting a joy. Now, there's one caveat here, okay? We need to make this very clear. James is not saying that a believer should be joyous for the trials. He's not saying that. Oh, God, give me some trials. cause I want to be joyful. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, be joyful in the trials. I'm not happy I'm in a trial, but I'm happy that because of what the trial is working in me, that in the middle of that I can be joyful because ultimately I know this, I'm in God's hands. And so when the enemy would say, I'm going to take you down in this trial and in this suffering, I know that that's an absolute lie from the pit of hell because God gives me the ability in the trial and in the difficulty to be victorious because he walks with me. Most people count it all joy when they escape trials. James says count it all joy in the midst of trials. You can face trials with joy because there are rich advantages from these testings. Trials produce something called endurance. When I, when I take a step in the right direction and the enemy meets me and I've come through that, There is a joy that is produced in that that gives me the ability to say the Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he did it back there, then he's the same God that can do it now. And it builds an endurance in me. So whatever I face or go through, it doesn't throw me, but it establishes an an endurance in me that I don't care what happens. I don't care who says it. I don't care if the world's upside down. I don't really want a trial, but in the midst of a trial, I know that there is a God that's producing an endurance in my heart and life there's a perseverance that comes this is no revelation James says you know this you know through experience everyone that has experienced both the pain of problems and the ensuing profit of persistence if I keep hanging in there if I keep worshiping God there's no gain in endurance without some investments in trials has got to be some trials to produce an investment of endurance. You're going to have to go through some things for endurance to take place. And the only way you get the benefit of endurance is if there is some perseverance that is in you, that's working in you, that is operating in you. You put yourself into that place, and God sometimes in life puts us in the place where he molds us and fashions us and shapes us and creates a hero in the faith that had endurance because they faced difficult times. Nobody is a giant for God that hasn't done things in their life that have been difficult. There's no hero of the faith that never was tested, never was tried. You're going to be tested and you're going to be tried, but it's going to produce something in you. And in the middle of those difficulties, James said, count it joy that God is walking with you through that. Praise God. you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Anybody gone through some difficulties? Anybody invested into some struggles? You're still here in the house of God. Why? Because it's produced something called endurance in your life. I have two children that have brought great, great sunshine in 20 years. And they're always just—they uh, are always enlightening our world. There's going to be difficulties and trials and circumstances, and endurance is—it it, it brings about the benefit of persistence. Just recently, Peyton—he's done two workouts, two workouts, but he's convinced he's already seeing results. <laughs> I mean, hey. I know when you're young it doesn't take a whole long for a lot of things to happen and as you age it takes a long time to recover from some of those things but but the fountain of youth it doesn't just happen when there's two workouts but he's convinced There's no gain in endurance without some investments in trials How can they run so fast, jump so high, go for such distance? Because there is a self-imposed investment for an earthly goal. James is not talking about an earthly goal. He's talking about a spiritual goal. And faith is gold. It stands the test of fire. No matter what difficulty comes my way, you can heat it up as hot as you want it. The hotter it gets... The stronger faith is because faith is the gold standard. And you can turn it up as hot as you want to. Faith is still going to be there. And the hotter you get it, it's going to burn away the dross and the impurities. And it's going to come forth shining as pure gold. I'm preaching faith to somebody. You may feel like you're in a struggle. But God's working on you. And he's producing something in you that is of value. So faith develops, it works. Perseverance or staying power and at the end of that, he says, what it does is it makes you mature and complete. Trials can be faced with joy because when faith is in there and perseverance results, and it goes full term, that I'm going to be a mature individual in God who lacks for nothing. And I will indeed be everything God wants me to be. This is why you must keep at it, you must continue to strive toward it. You keep pounding the gavel, you tell the enemy you're not in control, God's in control. We're going to get through this, so stop all the clamoring and all the voices because God is walking with me. I may have fallen, but I'm getting up, I may have struggled, but I'm not struggling anymore. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to put my faith to the test. The wise man said in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked fall into mischief. You keep pounding the gavel, or, ladies and gentlemen, you keep honking the horn. You just keep honking the horn. I'm going to trust God in the midst of all of this. I'm going to believe God in the midst of all of this. I'm going to persevere in the midst of all of this and I am going to continue to honk the horn in the midst of all of this. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not walking away. I'm trusting in God. Through the pain, through the difficulty, I'm still here and I'm still magnifying God. Somebody praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Well, I feel faith rising in this house because the devil's done told you you can't make it. It's too hard for you. This is big, too big of a struggle. You've been abandoned, exiled. Nobody cares about you. God cares about you. God loves you, and he keeps passing by to tell you So my summary point here is faith runs into trouble and rejection, but it doesn't give up. I said faith runs into trouble and rejection, but it doesn't give up. So count it as joy because God is working even when I don't see it. God is working. Thank God you're still here. Why? Because there's been some persistence and perseverance. What I'm telling you is a true story that happened in my church, Greater Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church. It happened in the life of a lady by the name of Shelby Teague who recounted the story of growing up and desperately needing weekly Sunday school trips in which somebody would pull up and they would honk the horn. The particular person that honked the horn in her life was named Carl Casey. He was the driver on that particular route. And what she felt when she came to Sunday school was what was so necessary and what was so needed in her life because her life was filled full of dysfunction and difficulty it was a life not of harmony brother Nate Reese but it was a life of disharmony so when she came to the house of God and walked into a Sunday school classroom and a teacher started expanding and opening up the scripture and started talking about the goodness of God there was a feeling that was connected and associated with that experience know how she longed for the bus to pull up And the horn to honk, because it meant it's an opportunity to get out of the hell that I'm in and go to a place in which somebody loves me. You know what? Every child that comes into this building on Sunday morning, don't ever think the investment that you're putting forth is not worth it. It is absolutely worth it. You're not going to see the results immediately, probably. But somewhere down the road, it's going to pay off big, big dividends, When that person that's sitting on that pew thinking, if I can just get to Sunday school and feel the anointing of God, might be the same person that gets up here and reads a Bible reading or ends up teaching a Sunday school in children's ministry. Don't ever think what we're doing is something that is not worth it. It's every bit worth it. There may be times when it doesn't feel like you're making any headway and nothing is happening and nothing seems to be moving in the right direction. You just keep honking the horn every single week and say, there's something here. God's doing something here. I don't know what he's planting and the seed that he's planting, but he's planting something in the fertile soil of a young person and God's going to raise them up to be a giant for God. She recounted that at some point as she grew older, was no longer in Sunday school, but she moved into her teen years and there was a little more independence and decisions that could be made. That one particular time she went out and told the bus and the bus driver, you don't need to honk the horn anymore because I'm not interested in Sunday school anymore. There were other voices breaking in. There were other influences coming in. And so she told the bus driver, Carl Casey, that she wasn't interested in going to Sunday school anymore. However, Brother Carl Casey never stopped pulling up and honking the horn on that particular route. He never gave up. He was patient, he was persistent, he persevered, and he kept honking the horn. This so impacted this young lady by the name of Shelby Along with the presence of God, that when the string had run out on all the other influences that had failed, that did not measure up to their claims, she circled back and said, you know what, there's something down there at that apostolic church that I have not been able to find ever since I left. The world has sold me a lie. It's not in clubs. It's not in drugs. It's not in the influences of the world. It's not in immorality. It's not in alcohol. It's not in speed and everything else. It's not in the vice of the world. There's something I'm missing. Somebody told me a lie. And when she came back to the house of God, there was somebody still pulling up and honking, honking the horn. That young lady is now an anointed Sunday school teacher reaching for children just like herself. Somebody has to keep honking the horn. Somebody somebody has to keep driving by. As a representative of the kingdom of God, I am still persisting. All right? I've come by many times, and I've honked the horn, and nobody comes out. But I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to quit. I've been praying for them, and it seems like nothing is happening, happening but I'm still going to pray for them. The situation doesn't seem like uh, there is going to be any success, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to still pray. I'm going to pass. By. I'm going to honk the horn. I'm going to pound the gavel. It may be rejected, but I know that God is doing a work in the midst of that. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you weren't here on Friday night, so you missed the funeral service. And I understand if you had things to do, but amazing, amazing story of an individual by the name of Dennis Stewart that passed away that told his wife. He didn't come to church for many, many years. His wife wanted to go to church. Barbara wanted to go to church somewhere. And so she started looking at some churches. And she looked over here and looked over there. He finally told her, if you want to go to a church, you need to go to Emil and Dorothy's Church because that's a good church and that's where you need to be. He pointed her the direction. She came to the house of God. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She was baptized in Jesus' name because of his influence. And yet because he loved to gamble and he was so caught up in sports and a lot of other things, he had a bowling career. He had a lot of stuff that he seemed like he just couldn't. He couldn't part with. This was a struggle with the family. Even though he, he interacted with everybody. Every time that there was a church event, Dennis was here and he was connecting with the men in the church. Not friends in the world, but here at church. It got to the point where some of them said, Dennis, the only reason why you come to GBFPC is because you want the food. He took his family every single year I did not know this. The camp meeting, even though he wasn't coming to church, that was a yearly family trip. Dennis was there. For 41 years, Barbara Stewart prayed, Lord, you got to save my husband. I'm going to keep driving by. I'm going to keep honking the horn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trusting in you. I'm going to keep praying. And not too long ago in the year 2013, Dennis Stewart walked in this place with his mind made up. We baptized him in Jesus' name. He came out of that water speaking in other tongues. He never, ever missed a service. I know it may feel like you're praying for things, and there's no answer, but I'm preaching to you tonight. Keep honking the horn. Keep passing by. God's at work. God's doing a work. God's doing great things. Let your faith be strengthened. Let your faith be strengthened. Hallelujah. I want us to lift our voice right now. In this building tonight, There, there's manifold representations of things that people have prayed and are seeking God for. I'm telling you, keep passing by. Keep passing by. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. This is a reflection of God himself through others. This is God working through others. It's an illustration of God himself passing by. When God drives by, if you will. Now, this is a little horn. This is us. When God drives by. <laughs> it's a little bit stronger when God drives by. When God drives by. I mean, there's a couple of examples in the scripture. Two of them that are very well known. Probably one of the greatest one is the plague narrative in the book of Exodus. The signs that happen before the real signs as God passes by Pharaoh. Speaking through Moses and Aaron. Aaron's staff becomes a serpent. Hey, Pharaoh... God's driving by the magicians performed the same sign and so Aaron's staff swallowed up the others Pharaoh's heart became hardened what is this our magicians can do the same thing and who are you And so there was a first cycle of plagues the first one the Nile was turned to blood Pharaoh was warned that the Nile and the water would be struck with Aaron's staff and it would turn the Nile into blood. <clears throat> Ironically the wizards performed the same sign and Errol's, Pharaoh's heart became indifferent. Second plague, of frogs. Pharaoh was warned of frogs and Errol, Aaron stretched his staff over the waters of Egypt and the land was covered with frogs and the wizards performed the same sign. Pharaoh agreed to let the people go sacrifice that the frogs were taken away, but he hardened his heart. Wasn't too impressed. The first cycle of signs ended with the gnats. Aaron stretched his staff out over the dust and it became gnats. And the wizards failed to produce the sign and they acknowledged in that they said, this must be the finger of God. Pharaoh, he wasn't too interested, wasn't too impressed. It was a second cycle of plagues. The fourth plague was flies. Pharaoh was warned at the Nile in Goshen, and the plague came. And Pharaoh suggested that they sacrifice in Egypt close by, but later he, he hardened his heart. The fifth plague was the death of livestock. God warned that God will strike, Pharaoh was warned that God would strike Egypt's livestock while protecting Israel's so Pharaoh saw that distinction. God gave him quite a few signs and passed by. And then passed by and showed him there's a distinction between the Egyptians and these people I'm calling out of Egypt. The sixth plague was boils. Moses and Aaron threw dust in the air. And boils spread on the people and the cattle. The wizards couldn't come to that committee meeting because... Well, they had boils, so they didn't make it. And Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. He wasn't impressed. The third cycle and the last cycle of plagues. Pharaoh was giving a morning warning. God stretched his staff to the sky, and a storm began, and it began to hail. Pharaoh confessed his sin and promised to let the people go if the hail was stopped. God keeps passing by. Passing by. Keeps honking the horn in Pharaoh's life. The eighth plague, Pharaoh is warned again. And he suggests that maybe he only lets the, people, the men go, not all the people. And so the locusts come. And Pharaoh confesses his sin and he asks for the plague to be removed. But later, his heart's hardened. The ninth plague, darkness fell. Except in Goshen, where the Israelites were. Pharaoh said, I'll let everybody go, but I won't let the animals go. So he's still not impressed. And the last plague was the tenth one. It was the death of the firstborn. If there's not blood on the doorpost of the house, and the blood's coming from an unblemished, spotless lamb, and the blood has not been applied to the doorpost. Is going to be a wailing in Egypt because of the loss of the firstborn. God in this example passes by. Passes by. These are these are these are amazing things that happen that you would think any individual would recognize. There's a power of God here and an anointing here. And something I should wake up and take notice. And yet sometimes you could be sitting on a church pew and say, ha ha, that's all mythological stuff. I don't believe anything like that happened. God doesn't do that anymore. He's passed by you so many times and he's given so many opportunities and he's honked the horn in your life and you are here where you are tonight because of situations and consequences that you yourself have got yourself into and God passes by his anointing and his presence passes by and he honks the horn why because he's interested in you and because he loves you another amazing example was the example of Balaam Balaam was a son of Beor he was a seer and in those early days of ancient civilization he had the ability to conjure up things and see things and so he was famous for his effectiveness Balak, the king of Moab, was afraid of Israel coming into the promised land. And he recognized that God's blessing and his anointing would vastly outnumber us. And so he calls Balaam in to curse the people of God. And so God tells Balaam in a vision, don't go. You're not going to go and curse my people. Balaam, upon further urging of Balak's emissaries, gets on his donkey and makes his way toward Moab. And his donkey along the way sees an angel, a messenger, standing in the way with a drawn sword. Balaam gets off the donkey and starts beating the donkey with a stick. And God allows that animal to open its mouth And speak to Balaam and say to Balaam, what have I done? I've been a a good servant to you. I've been a good donkey to you. I've done everything that you've wanted. And Balaam looks up and he sees the messenger of the Lord standing in the way and the messenger says to him, don't speak ill will of the people of God. Balaam gets to Balak, the king of Moab. And on several occasions, Balaam, instead of cursing the people of God, he ends up speaking prophetic things of blessing about the people of God. Balak gets angry and he's disappointed. And Balaam, he's, he tells Balaam, go back to your own land. Balaam's last words to Balak was a prophecy that Israel one day will triumph over Moab. God just keeps passing by. There's warning signs that God keeps passing by, honking the horn. Balaam, instead of returning to his own country, stays in a region. And we find out later that he joins himself with the Midianites. And he suggests that the only way to defeat Israel is to encourage the Israelites to be immoral and promiscuous. And so Balaam is killed in battle in which the Israelites defeat the Midianites. God keeps passing by. He said, I'm not interested in plagues and a donkey speaking that's ridiculous and yet God speaks to you and has been speaking to you you've just been Allowing the horn to go off in your life and not respond. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in the house of God here. I'm not talking about big things either. I'm talking about small things that you should recognize and understand. God's passing by. God's responding. You're looking for an answer. He's honking the horn. He's right there. He's wanting to respond to you. He's reaching for you and he's passing by. He continues to honk the horn. Jesus' ministry was a huge parade of passing by. One of the core reasons that Pharaoh rejected God was because, who's God? I don't see him. I don't see your God. And yet even in Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the Spirit of God, rejection occurs. He changes the water to wine. He passes by He heals a leper. He heals a centurion's son. He heals a paralyzed man. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. He steps out on the bow of a boat and he calms the storm. He heals the demoniac that's in the tombs. He heals a woman with an issue of blood. He feeds 5,000. He heals a blind man. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He heals blind Bartimaeus just to name a few. He's passing by. He's passing by. I want you to know tonight in the house of God he's still passing by. As a matter of fact, even in this service tonight, he passed by. His presence fell in the house of God. People responded as he passed by. What's it going to take for you to recognize there's a God coming by and he's honking the horn. I want you to know something. I'm coming out of the house and I'm saying I want to get on the bus. I want to experience God's goodness and his greatness. When he comes by and he honks the horn, I want to be the first one out of the house to say I know what's at daddy's house. I know the anointing of God in it." I know the presence of God. I know the ability of God. I know the virtue of God. I know the healing of God. Praise God. He's still reaching. He's still searching. You found me, Lord. I'll be right there. I'm getting on the bus for everything you have because I know there are great blessings at your house. There's anointing at your house. (laughs) There's healing at your house. Can I get a witness from somebody in this place tonight? There's forgiveness of sins in this house. Is there an apostolic witness that came out of a world of confusion and you laid down burdens that were huge at an old altar? I know what's at dad's house. There's baptism in Jesus' name that takes away all of the old nature and the carnal nature of humanity and gives me the ability. Is there a witness in this place tonight that has gone down in a watery grave of baptism. I know what's at daddy's house. Anybody in this place ever receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this place? I know what's at the father's house. I'm getting on the bus because I want to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him and thank him for his goodness and his greatness for what God has recently done in your life. Come on, how quickly do you run out the door when the horn honks? Is it a nonchalant? Well, I guess it's Sunday school today. You gotta drag me, you gotta pull me. I'm going to take my time. Or when the horn resounds, is there a stepping out with an intensity and an understanding that this is the day that the Lord has made? I will rejoice and be glad in it i'm going i'm going to where the blessings of god are i'm going to worship god and praise him where the anointing is clap your hands unto the lord and love him together praise god praise god praise god anybody thankful somebody needs to shout unto god and praise him hallelujah somebody needs a rare back and magnify God because He picked you out of miry clay and He established you. Woo! Woo! I think that was better than your son. Woo! What do you got? I know what this represents, not a place of confusion, but a place of truth, a place of love, a place of grace, a place of anointing, a place where the power of God is. He's still passing by. He's still reaching. (laughs) He hasn't given up, Brother Carl Casey. He didn't stop, but he said, you know what? I'm going to keep honking the horn because somewhere my investment's going to pay off. I just wonder, though, if we would look at this scenario just a little differently. Because this describes God passing by. Does it? God working through his emissaries and even himself. God manifested in the flesh. The word became flesh. You can be seated just for a few moments. I'm quickly coming to a conclusion. Go ahead and come help me out, Brother McCallister. Got, oh, I feel, I feel something moving and stirring in this place here tonight. This brings up an interesting story. If you think about the bus driver pulling up and honking the horn and the recipient coming out of the house or not coming out of the house, and the bus driver is representative of God reaching out for us. what if we flip that around for the fun of it and because it's part of the message (laughs) what what if we flip that around and it was us in the bus passing by God's house stop and think about that for a minute If we're not careful, we come to the house of God thinking that God should serve us and God should reach for us. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And that God should respond to us and that God should bless us. And God should forgive us and God should help us and God should empower us and God should. Hmm. But what if we were in the bus passing by God's house? Luke chapter 18 and verses 1 through 8 Jesus speaks a parable and he says there was a city a judge feared not God neither regarded man there was a widow in that city she came unto him saying avenge me of mine adversary and he would not for a while but afterward he said within himself though I fear not God nor regard man yet because this widow troubleth me I will avenge her lest by her continually coming by I inserted that she weary me and the Lord said hear what the unjust judge said and shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man cometh shall he find faith on the earth we are too quick to give up we drive by honk honk There's nothing that happens. We never come back around. We drive away from the route. We close it up. It's over and it's done. Instead of going by and saying... I didn't hear from God that time but here I am again and I'm passing by again because I know that God speedily is going to respond to his elect. I'm going to keep passing by because I know that God cannot help himself. His word says that he dwells and inhabits the praises of Israel or he dwells in the midst of his people. He himself said where two or three are gathered together, I will be in the midst of them. You gotta pass by and you gotta honk the horn. I guarantee you there is a God that comes running out from wherever he is and says, I'm here to be in the midst of you. I'm here to respond to you. Oh! This is common to everybody. It was common to even the psalmist. He said, oh, Lord, God of my salvation in chapter 88, verse one, as we stand together, I've cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry for my soul is full of troubles and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I'm counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as of a man with no strength. Will you show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Lord, why casteth thou off my soul? Why hidest thou my, thy face from me? But I guarantee you in the heart and the life of the psalmist, there was an attitude of I'm going to drive by. Why? Because I know the blessing is worth a temporary disappointment. Praise God. Paul and Silas found themselves in a jail cell. They could have been downtrodden, disheartened. Their attitude could reflect it, not joy, in the middle of their difficulty and temptations. You know what they started doing? They started, we like to to say, sing and dance and shout. It says they prayed and sang praises. They started praying to God and magnifying God in the middle of a prison and a jail cell we're locked in here difficult times have come but we believe that god can help himself and when we pass by in our prayer and pass by in our worship that god's going to show up and he showed up in a big way and earthquakes started shaking things started happening there just has to be an attitude on the inside of you that says i'm going to pass by i know you prayed about it but keep passing by i know you've worshiped god about it keep worshiping God about it because at some point God's going to come through. One day a Sunday school girl came back when he drove by and one day Jesus is coming back. Because some folks who worship him in spirit and truth continue to drive by, to pass by. Don't stop worshiping, don't stop praying. Anyone hearing what I'm saying right now? Don't stop testifying. Don't stop preaching. Don't stop teaching. Don't stop reaching, don't stop blessing, don't stop encouraging, don't stop strengthening, don't stop shouting, don't stop rejoicing, don't stop claiming a victory. Don't stop honking the horn because God's going to respond. I want every single one of us in this building here tonight that have been praying about things and things that it seems like nothing is happening. I want you to lift your voice and I want you to magnify and praise God and I want you to pass by them again. Lord, I'm passing by again. i prayed about it. I understand and know I haven't seen anything, but I'm passing by. Hallelujah. You've got dreams and visions and things that That God has spoken to your world. It seems like it's over. I want you to pass by those things again. God, could you ever use me? Could you ever respond to this? Could you ever let your anointing touch me? I've gone too far. I've done too much. I'm preaching to you tonight. Pass Pass by. Pass by. Pass by. Oh, let there be faith in this place tonight. Come on, somebody help me. God's reaching for individuals. These altars are open tonight. You need to keep passing by. It may look dark and grim. Praise God. But faith, faith is in the house tonight. And, and there's a God. If you pass by and you keep, you, you keep praying, you keep responding, you keep praising him, you keep worshiping him. hallelujah he's going to respond to that come on he's going to respond to that he cannot help himself but to get into the middle of your worship and into the middle of your praise step out of the pew where you are come on come on come on come on come on tonight and say God I'm going to entrust things that I'm praying about and seeking you I'm asking you God Hallelujah, I'm passing by again. I'm passing by. I'm praying for that loved one. I'm praying for family members. I'm going to pass by again. I'm going to pass by. Come on, lift up your voice. Let's pray. Let's pray for a few moments tonight. Oh! Let's for a few moments of time tonight with uplifted hands and a voice of prayer and praise and adoration. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, pass by, pass by. God passes by, but we have opportunity tonight. Hallelujah, that's it. Come on, God sees where you are. He sees where you are. Let your faith be as gold, no matter how it hot it gets. the Lord as he passes.